0: Today's topic is nothing less than transformation itself. Hey, it's Cheryl Sitz, welcoming you back to Exploring Possibilities, where it's our mission to transform life from the inside out in holistic spiritual ways. We've been broadcasting since 2012, and you'll find our entire library of shows at journeyofpossibilities.com. New episodes air on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and YouTube.com slash Sitz. We want to keep this content free and accessible to all, so please consider contributing something to the cause at journeyofpossibilities.com slash support. Today's guest, Dr. James Gordon, joins us momentarily. So I had some problems with my computer. When Mario remoted in so that he could work on my computer from his office and my home, my convenience, in my bathrobe with my bunny slippers, I thought, you know, you should be telling people that you do this. You do this for a lot of people, don't you?
1: Uh, Actually, majority of my clients right now, I think I've only gone and visit, uh, what, two clients of mine? (laughs) Everybody else is remote.
0: Yeah. So what this means is whatever you're trying to figure out how to do or whatever's breaking that you need fixed... Or those funky contracts the big box stores sell you that they'll they'll fix your computer and then you have to be without it. Mario can do it while you're right there.
1: Yeah, it's real easy. It, it, I give you uh, a link to a website, then you give me a special code. Uh, I put that code on my software over here, and I log into your computer.
0: And you're watching him, so he's not going and snooping around in your emails and checkbook and stuff.
1: (laughs) No, and it doesn't load anything. It's a real-time app. So once I'm done, you close out that app, and I can't access it anymore after that.
0: I love it. So if you're worried about privacy. See, so that's so convenient right in your living room. And you know what's even better? He's affordable.
1: That's very true. (laughs) I don't charge you those box store prices on any of my stuff. So come on, give me a call. MarioRosales.com.
0: Yes, international even.
1: Yep. I've done work with people in England and, and Australia, so I've, I've been all over the place.
0: Awesome. So he's your go-to guy for all things Tech Life Balance. Website again?
1: MarioRosales.com. Perfect.
0: Dr. James Gordon is a Harvard-educated psychiatrist who's internationally recognized for using self-awareness, self-care, and group support to heal population-wide psychological trauma. He is the founder and executive director of the nonprofit Center for Mind Body Medicine in Washington, D.C., and a clinical professor at Georgetown Medical School. He also served as chairman under Presidents Clinton and G.W. Bush of the White House Commission on Complementary and Alternative Medicine Policy. He has trained thousands to heal millions. You can learn more about him at cmbm.org. And he joins us today to discuss his powerful new book, The Transformation, Discovering Wholeness and Healing After Trauma. There will be a link on this podcast. Please click there to order and we'll get a few cents back to help support our show. Welcome, Dr. Gordon.
2: Thanks so much, Cheryl. It's nice to be here with you.
0: It is wonderful to connect with you in this way, because I have to tell you, I've read a lot of books doing this podcast, and yours is the most comprehensive handbook on healing after trauma I've ever had in my hands. Thank you for putting your life's work to pen like this.
2: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: What a powerful book. I, I hardly know where to jump in, but you always jump in with a good meditation, so that might be a good place to start. You have actually helped people heal trauma all over the world, haven't you? Post-war, post all kinds of situations.
2: Yeah, no, I, I got interested in the, in those possibilities. Uh, initially, I got interested in all these techniques of self-awareness and self-care and and of the possibility of transformation for myself. And as I began to explore different forms of meditation and guided imagery and nutrition and movement and dance and rituals of various kinds, and I I saw the difference they made in my life, I began to share them with other people. Then in 1991, created the nonprofit, the Center for Mind-Body Medicine here in D.C. We began to work locally, nationally, and the work was going really well, and The approach that I and my colleagues developed, which is the one that I present in the transformation, was working really well here in the U.S. in hospitals and clinics, community-based organizations. And I got interested and wanted to see if it could also be helpful to people in some of the most troubled and traumatized places on the planet. So that's how that work began. And, And as you said, it was a matter of jumping in And of going places uh, initially after wars of various kinds. And then by 1998, going in the middle of the war in Kosovo and offering, uh, you know, what we were teaching to people who had been bombed and burned out of their homes and also to the military who were acting as peacekeepers. So and meditation, as you suggested, is at the center of all this work.
0: It sure is. What kind of a response have you been getting to the book? Particularly, I'm curious from, from veterans and that population that it can be so helpful for.
2: The, the, the response has been extremely positive. The The challenge for me and for most authors is, is getting it out as widely as possible, getting the book out as widely as possible, which is why I really appreciate what you had to say about it. But the people who are using it and veterans, uh, in particular, are saying, you know, this is what I've been waiting for. This makes sense to me. Uh, This is common sense. There's science that justifies it. I can do these techniques. I don't I can and I can feel the benefits right away. And I I don't have to go and I'm quoting, I don't have to go to some shrink and say, I've got PTSD in order to get help. Right. (laughs) Veterans are not very fond, understandably, not very fond of doing. Right. Uh, They're saying this is an approach, you know, this is an approach which uh, which respects me, which treats me, you know, just the way I am now and puts the tools in my own hands. And that's one of the things I think that's really important, certainly to veterans who tend to be, you know, people in the military are taught to be very practical and they learn lots of skills and they are not taught skills about how to deal with stress and trauma, which is. Of course, inevitable in anybody who's gone anywhere near a war zone, and so uh, this is what they're looking for to heal past trauma, and also to for for those who are still in the military to equip them to be to deal with the ongoing stress and the very difficult situations in which they're in. the The other thing is that um, that that I think is really important. What I do in terms of demystifying these approaches and demystifying this process of trauma healing and saying anyone can do it. And so I think that vets, re- I know that vets really appreciate it. And so do their family members and uh, who who also are using these techniques. And Absolutely. right now, even as we speak, we're bringing this approach, the one that's there in the transformation To the largest division of the VA, the Veterans Administration Health System in the United States, where uh, members of our Center for Mind, Body, Medicine faculty are teaching the same techniques that are there in the transformation to whole health coaches in the VA who are going to be bringing it to the 1.5 million veterans in this division. It's called Vision 8, this division of the VA system. So... Yeah, veterans like it, they recognize it. They recognize its practicality and its effectiveness and as practical people, they want to they want to use these techniques, they want to read the book.
0: Absolutely. That's exciting. It really I see so much potential for it to be helpful in that population and really in any population because we don't have to go to war to experience trauma and most of us have, have as you say in the book, experienced some trauma. One of the things that you touched on Well, first, let me say thank you for mainstreaming holistic solutions, because that's what I'm all about, is let's put this stuff into practical use. It's not just for, you know, a a handful of the population. We can all benefit from it. But I love how you touch on the digestive system and the impact of trauma on the digestive system early in the book, because I've experienced that. And I took that to heart when I was reading this book and have made a lot of changes because of what you say. Would you like to speak to that for a moment?
2: Sure. Well, I'm so glad. That's great to hear. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I have never seen another book on trauma. And I read most of them you know, before and as I was writing my book. I've, I've never seen one that adequately discussed the effect of trauma on the digestive system. In fact, most of them don't even recognize it. And I think that, or I don't think, what I know is that psychological trauma and ongoing chronic levels of stress disrupt our entire digestive system as much and as profoundly as they disrupt our brain. And that the disruptions in the digestive system in turn, disrupt the brain even more. So let me, I think, probably be useful for people who are listening to us to talk a little bit about the damage that trauma does, and then we can talk, uh, give some highlights of the trauma healing diet that I describe in The Transformation. Does, does that make sense?
0: That would be great. Thank you.
2: Okay. So first of all, when we've been traumatized, we stay in what's known as the fight or flight response. Sometimes we'll be traumatized and the fight or flight response will come. It'll prepare us to deal with the emergency situation. Heart rate will go up. Blood pressure will go up. Blood goes to the big muscles. Blood goes away from the digestive system because when you're, you know, when you're fleeing from a predator or you need to be in a fight, that's no time to stop for a snack. Um, But. When trauma, um, the the fight or flight response, which also activates areas in in the emotional brain responsible for fear and anger, and down regulates areas in the frontal part of our cerebral cortex responsible for thoughtful decision making and self awareness and compassion, fight or flight is meant to be quickly turned on and quickly turned off. The problem is when fight or flight continues long after the trauma is over. We have memories, for example, of having been assaulted or raped or having been abused or neglected as children, or we're still um, compromised and continually preoccupied by the job we lost or the, the divorce that we had. Or right now, we're in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic and we're under continual stress. In that kind of situation, fight or flight continues and continues to do damage to the digestive system. So first thing is um, we tend to eat very fast when we're tense, nervous. Some people don't eat at all, but most of us eat fast and we eat comfort foods. We go for those sweet Sweetie, salty, fatty foods, not because we're dopes, but because those foods decrease the level of our stress hormone cortisol, they increase dopamine, which is a feel-good neurotransmitter, they increase serotonin, which is calming, they increase levels of endorphins, which help relieve pain. The problem is that if we keep on eating those comfort foods, we, grew, we, we do great damage to every organ in our body, Hi, create hypertension, diabetes, anxiety, depression. So taking it from the top of the digestive system, we're anxious, we're eating fast, we're eating foods that do us no good. And in the long, no little short-term good, long-term, they do us ill. Then... Moving lower down into the digestive system, it interferes with the proper uh, digestion of foods in the stomach, and because we're often eating fast, the stomach doesn't have time to send signals back to the brain and to say, I'm full. In the small intestine, which is where we absorb nutrients, trauma and ongoing stress cause the cells that line the small intestine, they're called endothelial cells, to separate. Normally, they're very closely connected with what's called tight junctions. When they separate, protein in our small intestine that is not supposed to go into our bloodstream goes into our bloodstream, circulates everywhere in our body, and in many people causes inflammatory responses. Now, one of those proteins is gluten, which is a protein in wheat and barley and rye and and, and other grains. And some people are sensitive to gluten no matter what, but many more of us, many, many more of us become sensitive to gluten when we're traumatized. And the gluten crosses from the small intestine into our bloodstream, it may go to our knees and cause inflammation there. It may go to our brain and cause depression or anxiety. So, our gut is damaged. Another part of our um, part of our digestive tract that's damaged is the microbiome. And probably listeners have been hearing a great deal about the microbiome uh, in recent years. Scientists have begun to see that these uh, the biome which are the bacteria that are in our uh, digestive system that the good bacteria that make up the microbiome play a major role in digestion and also in immunity and helping us to deal with stress when we are have been traumatized and are under chronic stress we damage the good bacteria in the small intestine and we increase the growth of the bad bacteria in the large intestine that often go back into the small intestine. So those are just some of the damages that happen to the digestive tract. Now, that's the bad news, if you will. The good news is that we can reverse that damage. And in fact, we can make our digestive tract healthier than it's ever been. So what we need to do is, first of all, understand the effects that trauma has on our gut, uh, understand the damaging effects of long term consumption of large quantities of comfort food and bring that mindfulness into the way we eat, what we plan to eat, how we cook, the way we combine foods and the rate, the speed with which we eat. So if we eat more mindfully, we can become satisfied with just a few tablespoons of a comfort food. I'm not saying stop it altogether, but what I found, for example, during this pandemic is I I don't need to eat a whole portion of ice cream. A couple of tablespoons are really quite satisfying. So that's, and then the more thoughtful we become, about our food, the more mindful, the more carefully we choose the foods that we're going to eat, the more slowly we eat. If we eat slowly, we digest our foods better. We give our stomach, which has been traumatized, we give our stomach more chance to do do its digestive job, and we give our small intestine more opportunity and a better opportunity to, to absorb all the vitamins and minerals now also we need to eat a healthy diet now there are many different kinds of healthy diets and just a couple in the transformation i discussed this whole issue in great detail but just a few highlights one is eat whole foods i mean many people have said it believe it if we eat whole foods foods without additives without preservatives without hormones we're already on the way to repairing our digestive tract. Um, Don't eat so much red meat. Red meat has uh, an unfavorable balance of fatty acids, a lot of omega-6s, which are pro-inflammatory. That is, they promote the inflammation that trauma also promotes. And they don't have enough or the ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 which are anti-inflammatory, is not as good as it is, for example, in fish or even in chicken or in vegetable proteins. Um, If you can and you can afford it, eat organic food that removes or pasteurized, uh, uh, not pasteurized, pastured chickens, that is chickens that are not locked up and stressed out, but chickens that roam free range, that are healthier and don't have preservatives and additives in their system or in the eggs that they lay. So eat a healthier diet, eat lots of fiber. The U S diet, the standard American diet, and the acronym is sad. Our sad diet has very little fiber about a ping pong size ball per day. Whereas indigenous people around the world who are eating a more kind of natural diet have a, baseball-sized amount of fiber in their diet every day. And fiber is very important. It's very important for nourishing our microbiome, for digestion, for suppressing the bad bacteria in our gut, and for, for moving all the digestive processes along. Also, and so if you eat a diet that eliminates processed food, that's high in fiber, you're beginning to restore the integrity of the gastrointestinal tract, helping to bring those cells in the small intestine together, so you don't have uh, gluten and proteins from milk and milk products leaking out and causing inflammation. Also, I would say add probiotics. Probiotics are the are the um, bacteria, the good bacteria in the small intestine. You can go to any health food store and now drug stores and get a probiotic with high doses of a variety of different bacteria in our microbiome. That's very important to to our recovering from the damage that trauma does. And when we do that, we interestingly... As we restore that balance in our small intestine and bring our small intestine back to health, it acts on the vagus nerve, which is a nerve that goes that that services many of the organs in our body and that is responsible for being an antidote to the fight or flight response. So by eating in a healthy way, you're stimulating the vagus nerve, the vagus nerve, is sending more uh, appropriate signals back to the brain and helping the, and helping our brains deal with stress and helping trauma-damaged brains rebuild themselves. And finally, at least for now, there's much more information in the transformation. Take a daily dose of a multivitamin, multimineral. There have been some very interesting studies, randomized controlled trials, that were done in New New Zealand after an earthquake. People were traumatized by the earthquake. And those people who took multivitamin, multimineral supplement every day, they had fewer symptoms of post-traumatic stress. They could focus better. They were less irritable. They slept better. And they've done a couple of these studies. And we have everything to gain and nothing to lose by doing that, by it. Adopting a trauma-healing diet and by supplementing it with a multivitamin, multimineral. And there are many other nutritional things that we can do. Uh, Again, they're in the transformation. But the first thing is is to take this really seriously, to understand that, that our gut is affected and that we can do something to bring our gut back into balance.
0: It's such a relief to hear you talking about this because I really have come to understand how vital my gut health is to my overall health. And after doing so much work to heal the trauma, it would be ridiculous to then live with this long-term effects of, of poor digestion, poor gut health. I really love that you put all that in the book. Another thing that made a huge difference for me in your book was talking about expressive meditation because I do meditate, but... Finding forms of expressive meditation to release pent-up emotions that I didn't have an outlet for has been really beneficial for me. How did you come across that work?
2: That's no, that, that that's wonderful to hear because uh, expressive meditations are neglected, to say the least, mm-hmm. uh, and these are the oldest forms of meditation on our planet. Essentially, there are there are three types of meditation there are, there are millions of different practices quite literally almost the indians say well we have 1.2 billion people here 1.2 billion types of meditation <laughs> I, I don't know if there are that many but they can all be divided into three categories the first is concentrative meditation focusing on a sound mantra is the sanskrit word for sound focusing on an image uh, repetitive prayers can be understood as concentrative meditations, like Our Father, or Shmaya Israel, or illa allah Hare Krishna, Hari Krishna. Then there are mindfulness meditations, which, as far as we know, concentrative meditations are uh, earliest ones are that we've seen are five, six, seven thousand years old. Probably goes back before then. Mindfulness meditation as far as we know, was created by Siddhartha Gautama, the man we call the Buddha, who said, become aware, become aware of thoughts, feelings, and sensations as they arise, and bring your attention to the breath. 2,500 years old, the oldest kind that all indigenous people on our planet that I know of continue to use, Or expressive physical meditations, jumping up and down, shouting, chanting, whirling, fast, deep breathing, or the one that I like to begin with and that I teach early on in the transformation, shaking and dancing. Now, I first learned these techniques, it's now almost 50 years ago, from my teacher uh, who um, I'm sort of I'm laughing now and smiling as I think of him because he was a he was an extraordinary teacher, a very wise man and a very funny and totally outrageous man. And his name was Sham Singha and he was an acupuncturist and herbalist, he practiced Chinese medicine, he was Indian, Kashmiri born. He knew Indian Ayurveda, he practiced western natural medicine, he was an osteopath. He was a fabulous cook, a meditation master, and he was the first one to introduce expressive meditations to me. And I was stunned when the, the first one that I, that I learned was very fast, deep breathing in and out through my nose, as fast and as deep as I could possibly do it. And uh, he had learned this particular meditation from a friend of his who was his teacher, who uh, became a notorious Indian guru named Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh but rajneesh learned it from monks who'd been doing this for thousands of years it's not original with him he just he just was smart enough to bring this uh, into more common usage so i did this meditation i did this fast deep breathing chaotic breathing in through and in and out through the nose and you have to do it in and out through the nose if you do it in and out through your mouth you'll hyperventilate and you'll get, you know, you won't want that. (laughs) You do it in and out through your nose. What happens is it's very energizing and you start to uh, fears, emotions come up your body. You start to release the tension in your body. Emotions that you may have suppressed because they were too traumatic to deal with start to come up. And if you do this for a while, you have a sense of being energized, a sense of being released from bonds that you didn't even know you had, and and a sense of freedom. Now, I started doing this in 1973, and I've been doing these meditations you know ever since and teaching them. The one that I would like to start with that our listeners, you know, can easily do, this chaotic breathing's a bit a bit harder, and there are certain contraindications for certain physical conditions but the one that everybody can do is shaking and dancing and i don't know if you've been doing that one cheryl you just stand up with your feet shoulder width and knees bent you start shaking from your feet up through your knees and hips and chest and shoulders we carry a tremendous amount of tension in our shoulders you continue shaking you let your head go And you do this maybe starting off with five or six minutes. And you can use fast, driving, rhythmic music to encourage this. Then pause for a couple minutes, relax, become aware of the breath and of your body. And then put on music that is energizing and inspiring and let your body move to it. Simple as that. And afterwards, people who do it, and I've been doing this with other people for about 40 years now, with hundreds of thousands of other people, people feel more relaxed. They feel freer. They feel like emotions that they haven't been willing to deal with have come up and and that it's okay. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to feel anger. It's okay to feel the fear. And that the shaking helps people not only feel the emotions, but move through them. Not and no longer be overwhelmed by them, which is really important when we've been traumatized. So I encourage everyone to, you know, to you, to begin with shaking and dancing. uh, It's great if you've been traumatized. People often say, well, can I use this if I've been traumatized? And I would say, Not only can you, but this is what you should use. Quiet sitting meditation. And I teach that first, whether it's in a training program or in the transformation, slow, deep breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth with the belly soft and relaxed. It's a beautiful way to begin to meditate, noticing the thoughts that come, letting them come, letting them go, returning to the breath. This concentrative meditation is very, very useful for bringing us back into balance, for enhancing functioning of our brain, for rebuilding trauma-damaged brains. And there's lots and lots of research that show that this is the case. And you can read the studies. They're all cited in the transformation. And if you've been traumatized, And right now, in the middle of this pandemic, if you're dealing with your stress and trauma, it's so great to do the shaking and dancing, to just let it it go, release the tension. Indigenous people have ceremonies regularly where they do these kinds of meditations because they know that this kind of trauma is there in all of our lives. And they know how important it is for people to have an opportunity to release it on a regular basis. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought up expressive meditations. And I really encourage everyone to experiment with them. And if you don't like one, there are many kinds. This is not about my way or the highway. This is about each person. Each person who's listening to us, finding the way that suits them best, which self-care techniques which expressive meditations or which quiet meditations work best for each one of you.
0: I love it. Great information. So much good information. There's a lot more in this book. I hardly know what else to touch on today. What do you feel would be best to to next share with our listeners, given what we've talked about today with their digestion and meditation?
2: Well, you know, I, I think that what's important is that if you can begin to bring yourself back into psychological and biological balance. And the simplest ways are through soft belly breathing. And really all it is is breathing in through the nose. And you might want to do this as you're listening to me and listening to Cheryl and me talk. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth with your belly soft and relaxed. Focusing on the breath, of course, on the words that we're saying as well. And on the feeling of relaxation in your belly. And on the words soft and belly. So that's the primary way. Doing that even three to five minutes a few times a day can make a huge difference. And a measurable difference in blood pressure, in anxiety, inability to concentrate and sleep, et cetera, et cetera. Also, use one or another of the expressive meditations. Shaking and dancing is what I described to you. Read the whole script and the transformation. Read all about it and read about the other expressive meditations. Once you feel a little more in balance, a little calmer, a little less preoccupied, a little less irritable a little more able to focus then you can use all of the imaginative techniques that i share with you in the transformation and one i want to mention now maybe we can do this one with um with listeners just so they can quite literally get a taste of it um this will just take a few minutes okay guided mental imagery is enormously powerful. And again, this goes back, this is not a modern invention. This goes back thousands and thousands of years. This is a shamanic practice that is used um, all over the world by traditional healers. And what it is, is they didn't know the details of the brain anatomy, which we know, but what, but what they made use of is the intimate connection between our capacity to form mental images and our emotional brain and a central switching station in the brain called the hypothalamus, and the connections between the hypothalamus and the autonomic nervous system, which controls the fight or flight response and controls salivation and digestion. And the endocrine system, which controls all the glands in our bodies, our thyroid, our pituitary, our adrenal gland, and the immune system. So we are hardwired to be able to use guided imagery to affect every physical function in our body, as well as to use it to affect our emotions and to affect the way we think about the world. The hard wiring is there. Now, indigenous people, as I say, they didn't know brain anatomy or physiology, but somehow their own understanding helped them realize this. And so they used guided imagery to benefit themselves. Now, I want to teach you now a very simple technique that you can use um, to, first of all, first technique, I may teach you two techniques. If that's, is that okay, Cheryl? It won't take more than five, sure. six minutes. The, the first one is to give you a direct experience of how imagery may be able to affect physical function in your body, physical function which is not ordinarily under conscious control. So sit comfortably, everybody. I'm sitting comfortably in my chair. I'm breathing deeply. In through my nose and out through my mouth, with my belly soft and relaxed. I'm focusing on the word soft as I breathe in, and belly as I breathe out, and feeling my belly relaxing and softening. And knowing that I do this. And as I do this, I'm activating the vagus nerve and the vagus nerve is the antidote to the fight or flight response. So I'm quieting my body and calming my mind. Now, I want everyone who's listening to imagine that you're in a kitchen could be your kitchen, could be someone else's, or it could be a kitchen that just comes to your mind right now. Look around, see what it looks like, feels like, smells like to be here, any sounds in this kitchen. And now imagine that there's a cutting board in front of you. And on that cutting board is a juicy, ripe lemon. Take a look at the lemon. Imagine you're picking it up, holding it, maybe squeezing it a little, bringing it close to your nose, smelling, fragrance. Now put the lemon down on the cutting board. Now cut the lemon in half. Let the two halves fall apart. Notice perhaps there's a seed there. Notice the white inside the skin and the flesh of the lemon. Maybe there's a drop of juice on the surface. Now cut one of those halves in half so you have two quarters, two wedges of lemon. Now pick up one of those wedges. Open your mouth. Put it in your mouth and bite down on it. And notice what happens. Okay, you can open your eyes. Cheryl, what happened to you?
0: That was tart. <laughs> It was tart.
2: Tart taste. Anything happened to your mouth?
0: Yeah, it watered.
2: What
1: happened?
0: My mouth watered. And Did you I sucker at all? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> 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 yes. Kind of shivered a little bit. Yes.
2: <laughs> Beautiful. Now, if if we could talk to our listeners, we'd probably find out that the vast majority, not everybody, the first time is maybe unfamiliar. Using imagery. But what I found is the the, the vast majority of people have the kind of response that you had and that I had. And what that means is this is our autonomic nervous system at work that's causing the puckering, that's causing the salivation, um, causing us to swallow. This is ordinarily out of our conscious control, just imagining. We didn't really bite down on a lemon. Just imagining that we're biting down on it causes the same response as if we had actually bitten down on that lemon. This is the power of imagery. Now, I'm going to take three more minutes. I think it'd be useful for listeners to have one more demonstration uh, because they can take this technique and they can use it themselves right away. And this is, this is called safe place imagery. And I'm just going to, once again, ask you to close your eyes and allow your breathing to deepen. Feel yourself sitting comfortably in your chair. Breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. Feeling your whole body relax with each exhalation. Relaxing a little bit more. If thoughts come, let them come, let them go. Gently bring your mind to soft belly. Bring your mind back to the breath, to relaxing. And now imagine that the sound of my voice and the power of your imagination are taking you to a place that's safe or comfortable for you a place you'd really like to be. Maybe a place you know well, that you've actually been to. Maybe a place you've seen pictures of. It may be a place that just comes to your imagination now. Make yourself comfortable in this place. And if you've gone to two or three places, let your mind settle on one. Make yourself comfortable here. Notice what you see and feel. Notice if there are any sounds or smells. what's around you? What are you wearing? Know that this is a safe or comfortable place for you. It's your special place. And you can go there anytime you like. This is a brief visit. So say goodbye to this safe or comfortable place, knowing you can always return. Once again, become aware of yourself, breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth with your belly soft and relaxed. Feeling your whole body relax with each exhalation. And now opening your eyes, letting your attention come back in the room. How was that, Cheryl?
0: That was lovely. Thank you. Where'd you go? A special little garden with a waterfall and a hammock that's just right for me and birds singing and green grass. And it was just beautiful.
2: That's great. Now, you know, you can, I can, any of our listeners can use this technique anytime. And it's really important, even more important, I think now during the pandemic, you know, when we're all feeling like we're wondering, well, what's safe? And no, I'm not sure there's safety anywhere. And I don't feel comfortable. You know, even in my own home, I'm not sure I feel comfortable. All of us are having those feelings. And to be able to go to the kind of place that you're describing, just that beautiful garden with the birds, anytime we want, is so deeply calming and reassuring. And it gives us, this is Another important piece of this technique and and of all the techniques that I I teach in the transformation and that we use with people who've been traumatized is it gives you some control. And one of the most terrible things about the pandemic, among many terrible things, is the sense that we feel totally out of control. What can we do? And what we can do is we can use this technique, this Guided imagery, this creation of a safe place, we can use soft belly breathing, we can use shaking and dancing, we can use all the other self-care techniques that I described to help ourselves and not only get the specific benefits of each technique, but also every time we do something like soft belly breathing or shaking and dancing or safe place imagery, we are having the experience of having control over ourselves We are doing something beneficial for ourselves in a world and having control over it, making it possible when we want in a world where very little outside of us is under our control. So that's, I think that's the most important message and and all the techniques that I teach are there in the transformation, all the information, all the instructions on how to use the techniques, And all of the scientific research that shows exactly how each of these techniques works is there and hopefully very easy to read and easy to access and easy to use.
0: Yes, and the case studies that you cite help as well. Dr. Gordon, you've ha- led an amazing life, and I thank you for the help in that you've provided me personally to Wholeness and Healing After Trauma and to all the people that will be touched by your work and your book, and thank you for taking time to be with us today.
2: You're most welcome, Cheryl, and if people want to learn more about our work, they can obviously learn some in the transformation, they, they can get all the practical techniques and learn how to do this for themselves. If they want to see what we're doing in uh, around the United States and in other countries around the world, they can look at our website, cmbm.org. And on the website, they'll see opportunities to participate in free webinars or or take part in mind and body skills groups or for those who are really interested we have trainings that are going on for people who want to learn this method and share it with others. So please take a look at our website and I hope you'll read the transformation and let me know what you think. We're building a healing community and a healing and a community of healers.
0: Yes, you are. And you're healing the world one soul at a time, right? Thank you so much, Dr. Gordon. And thank you for joining us, listeners. Let us know what you thought of the show at journeyofpossibilities.com. And we'll see you next time on Exploring Possibilities.